Hello, I'm Fiona Spence and welcome to Maximising Motivation. I was training a group of young leaders a number of years ago and I asked them, who is the most energetic person that you know? And I was blown away by their answer. You see, they told me it was me. They said things like, you're so lucky, you have so much energy and we wish we had energy like you do. Well, while it was all incredibly flattering, sadly, on quick reflection, I realized that actually they were all wrong. Those leaders all shared a common misconception around energy. They believed that people have energy. But the truth is you don't have energy, you generate energy. So if you think of a power station, a power station doesn't have energy, it generates it from all the fuel that you put into it. And you are just the same. Although instead of using coal or whatever, you can use healthy physical habits and healthy mental habits as well to generate your energy. So the first principle that I taught those leaders is you don't have energy, you generate energy. And that led on to the second principle. You don't have motivation, you generate motivation. And I'll share the third principle with you a little bit later on in this audio. But right now, I want you to focus on that second principle. You don't have motivation, you generate motivation. There are two scenarios where you might need more motivation. Firstly, those everyday pick-me-up situations where your motivation dips, sometimes for no clear reason. And the other scenario is linked to longer-term motivation, the motivation that drives you towards your goals and towards creating a future that you truly desire. And in this audio, we're going to address both of these scenarios. You are going to pick up two types of strategy. The first strategy will enable you to become motivated long-term. And the second will provide you with pick-me-up tools or techniques that you can use on a day-to-day -day basis whenever you feel like you need a motivation boost. And I know from personal experience how it feels when your motivation drops. I know what it feels like to wake up with that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach as you realize that something inside you just isn't right and you don't feel joyful. You don't feel optimistic. You don't feel excited about life. And I also know how it feels to have those sudden dips in your day when everything was going all right to start with and then for some inexplicable reason, the day just falls off and you find yourself in danger of falling into a pit of self-despair and pity. And I have also experienced firsthand how these techniques can really work. They can build you up when you're low. They can give you hope, help you generate motivation and generate energy to create meaningful, lasting change in your life, to be successful and to feel more joyful. So let's jump straight in with the five steps that you can use to build your long-term motivation. When I ask people why they want to feel more motivated, they typically reply in one of three ways. Some of them tell me, I feel like I'm wasting my time. And if that resonates with you, you might also be suffering from procrastination. The second response that I frequently hear is, I just don't have enough energy. And if that sounds like you, maybe you want to feel happier, more energized, more alive. And the third thing that people tell me is, I feel stuck. I want to make a change in my life somehow. That one lady that I spoke to, she said she felt like she was on Stuck Street. So if you feel like you're on Stuck Street, 
Do you also feel like you should have accomplished a bit more in your life by now? Or are you frustrated that you don't have a clearer picture of where you are going to in the future? If any one of those sounds familiar, or perhaps even all three of them, then these five steps to building motivation are for you. The first step mixes two things. One is vision and the other is goals. Everyone should have a vision for their life, something that they're aiming for, something that really gets them excited. It makes them feel energized just at the very thought of it. A vision is that thing that you can see in your future in your mind's eye that truly inspires you. And when you have a good vision, it's incredibly motivating. And goals are what exist to help us reach our vision. Now the thing about goals is goals are there to help us fall in love with life. So if you're setting goals and they're stressing you out, there's something wrong. Actually, I found out there's three sorts of people in life. There's people who set goals every single year and nail them. There are people that set goals every single year. Yeah, well, they set them. And then the third category are those who don't even set them. The very thought of them stresses them out. Goals should not ever stress or freak you out. They should excite and motivate you. The place to start is not with a popular business approach that you may have heard of called smart goal setting, but with a type of goals which I first learned about from Brendan Burchard, and he calls them dumb goals. You see, your smart goals, which are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound, are all very sensible, practical, and achievable. They can be a little uninspiring. And that's why at the Smartest Path, we use a process that we call start goal setting. But before we even get there, we want to be really creative. We want to generate maximum excitement. In other words, we want something that is really going to motivate us to want to achieve it. And that is exactly what a dumb goal does. A dumb goal allows you to dream bigger than you have ever dreamt before. You don't have to worry about your goal being achievable or realistic. Instead, it's there purely to uplift and excite you, to make you feel alive. So the D stands for dream. Now, I remember when I was a schoolgirl back in London, England, and I used to look out of the classroom window and I had to dream, not all the time, but sometimes I would dream of what life held in store for me. And I forgot all about my studies at that point, and I dreamed big. I imagined all the things I was going to do and my imagination had no limits. It was truly uplifting. And I encourage you to dream like you did when you were a child. Be a real visionary. Think outside the box. Think way beyond the normal boundaries. Let your imagination soar so that the dream truly uplifts you. And that is the second part of dumb goal setting. You make sure that the dream is really uplifting. It energizes you, it excites you, it infuses and motivates you, it makes you feel alive, happy, and dare I say it, motivated. <laughs> Motivation is directly linked to the level of commitment and the strength of your vision. If you lack vision, or you have weak or no commitment, 
you'll feel low and demotivated. But when you have a clear and uplifting vision and you have commitment to making it happen, then your motivation will really flow. Once you have your uplifting dream, then make a mind movie of it. That's the M, movie. Really visualize your dream in your mind's eye. Go several steps further though. Ask yourself, what am I feeling? What can I hear? What can I taste? What can I smell? Use all of your senses to create an incredibly vivid and alive mind movie. And the final step of dumb goal setting, B, is to be proactive, to break down your goal to the one first step that you can take today that could help you achieve this incredible, crazy dumb goal that you have. Ask yourself, what is the simplest little thing that I might do that gets me one small step closer to my actually achieving this incredible, crazy, exciting, dumb goal? So for example, if I had a dumb goal of being a singer and having a number one hit, I might identify that every singer who ever had that dumb goal in the past and ended up with a number one hit started by learning a single song. So I might decide to learn a song today. Or if that's too much, I might decide to go and choose the first song that I want to learn. Or maybe you have a dream of changing a job. Perhaps you would like to become an astronaut. So when you look at all the successful astronauts out there, you'll find out they're incredibly fit. So you might take an action today just to start improving your fitness. So it doesn't matter how big the dream was. Everyone who ever achieved their dream started with a very simple first step. And so there you have it, dumb goals. Dream big, make sure it's uplifting. Create a vivid mind movie and be proactive. Break it down into the one small first step that you can take towards making this wonderful, crazy and fantastic dumb goal come true. And you'll find that because you have a vision that excites and uplifts you, you'll find commitment to take action and you'll find yourself feeling more motivated. Now you know how to set dumb goals, you have the first step of the five steps to motivation. The second step to becoming more motivated is to align your actions and your goals to your values. Now when you think about it, everyone shares the same thing that they want out of life. It's a simple thing, it's just to feel alive. And the things that really light you up, that enthuse you, that excite you and really get you going, those are linked to your values. When I work with my clients, we get an in-depth understanding on three different sets of values that everyone holds. And when you identify what your values are and you learn to align them, then you can start to feel alive and your motivation will come hand in hand with that. So the first set of values are what we call the head values. Now your head values are your moral values. Those are the ones that when you say to most people, what are your values? They'll shout out things like, oh, reliability, or always you know, being there for my family, having my friends backs, justice, fairness, integrity, being authentic, being true to myself. They're basically values that we're very happy to share with other people. In fact, if you watch 
for example, an Oscar winner standing on stage, these are the sort of values that they will usually allude to. They will tell you how happy they were to be able to make a huge change in the world through their movie, which has changed people's ideas of disability or equal rights or whatever it may be. But there's something else running behind that. The second value set we call the hand values. These are our motivation values. These are things that get really, us really excited. We want to talk about them and, and learn about them. We want to do them. So in the case of actors, chances are they love to learn about acting and they love to go out and do acting. So when they were making the movie, they were aligning to their motivation values. And the third set of values are the ones that people don't talk about. They're what we call the heart values or shadow values. And the shadow values are those things deep inside us that really drive us. Now in the case of the person making the movie, if they stood up and said things like, thank you so much, and I really enjoyed all the attention I got during this movie, and you know what, coming in every day and having utter control over people and having them do whatever I asked them and bring me my chai latte just the way I wanted, it was really fantastic. It made me feel very, very important indeed, and I loved showing off my knowledge of my craft. What an expert I am. Can you imagine if they said that? I'm sure they don't serve rotten tomatoes and pieces of moldy lettuce at the Oscar ceremonies, but if they did, I'm sure that the audience would be throwing them at someone who's made a speech like that and booing them off the stage as well. But the truth is that out of all the value sets, those deep drivers or what we call shadow values are the values that really push you forward the most. And if you ignore them, if you pretend that they don't exist, they will find ways of rearing their heads, but they'll do it in a negative way. So the best thing you can do is identify your shadow values, honor them and live true to them, but in a positive, constructive and ego-free way, just like our humble Oscar-winning actors. To enable you to identify the first set of values I spoke about, the head values, We've created a simple seven step system and put it into a workbook. So if you'd like a copy, please email me at fiona at thesmartestpath.com.au and you can start on your journey of identifying and aligning your values. The third step to becoming more motivated is to identify your habits, to get rid of the negative or unhelpful ones and build positive or helpful new ones. There are two sorts of habits. Firstly, you have internal habits, and these exist in your own mind, and they're your ways of thinking. If you have negative thought patterns or ways of talking to yourself that are unconstructive, perhaps you've put yourself down, you doubt your abilities, then we call this unhelpful thinking. And it's incredible how out of control that voice inside your head can become. If you think of it this way, if you spoke to another person, say, your partner, a loved one, a parent, uh, your child, somebody at work, your boss, your colleague, your employee, with the same words and in the same tone of voice that you use on yourself inside your own head, then you would be accused of abuse. You'd likely find yourself in court and probably with a restraining order on you. So take a moment to reflect. Are you always speaking to yourself in a helpful way? Or have you developed negative thinking habits? In contrast to your internal habits are your external ones. 
These are the actions that you take. They include unhealthy activities, procrastination, and what many people call time-wasting activities, such as the overuse of social media. An internal habit, which is often vocalized, that I hear are using excuses. And when I created the Excuses Buster, which is our system to overcome excuses at home and at work, I identified seven different excuse categories. Perhaps some of these will be familiar to you. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, such as how people will react, fear of getting hurt, fear of loss, personal put down, so that's that unhelpful voice inside your head, past events and resources, the most common ones being, I haven't got the time, I haven't got the money, I haven't got the energy. Now your excuses can become habits, habits that hold you back, that stop you from becoming motivated and reaching your goals. So have a think right now, what one internal and one external habit would you love to get rid of? How different would your life be if you could eliminate that unhelpful habit? What will happen if you don't eliminate it? If you want to become more motivated, those unhelpful habits are going to stand in your way. They eat up your time, they lead you to procrastination, they impact negatively on your decision-making ability. And what that ultimately means is if you don't remove your unhelpful habits, you'll find yourself feeling less joyful, less alive, and very low on motivation. Time and time again, I've seen people significantly increase their motivation when they either remove an unwanted habit or they create a positive new habit. A habit that helps them lift their values and work towards their goals. A helpful exercise that I encourage you to do is to identify three helpful habits that you have and three unhelpful habits or habits even that you would like to create and think about how removing those unhelpful habits or how creating new habits might help you to feel more motivated. If you're someone who likes to go the extra mile, then you might be extra vigilant over the next week and see if you can spot yourself or others using excuses. The first step of the Smartest Path's Excuses Buster is to identify your excuses. After all, you can't really bust your excuses until you've acknowledged that you use them and you've developed an ability to recognize when they arise. And if you'd like more information on the excuse categories or to have some help busting your excuses, then please do email me, fiona at thesmartestpath.com.au. Once you've identified your habits, it's time to look at removing blocks. Now, some habits are blocks, like excuses, but often blocks can take the form of a trapped emotion. So when we're lacking motivation, often we feel something inside ourselves and it's this feeling of dis-ease. It's uncomfortable, it could be anywhere in your body. Sometimes people can pinpoint exactly what it is and what causes it, but very often it just sits there. Now we have a very simple technique that we use called the emotional freedom technique. And the beauty of this technique is it doesn't matter where your block comes from. It doesn't matter if it's from an experience in childhood, it doesn't matter if it's from something more recent. You don't have to know what it was that caused it. Perhaps it's a limiting self-belief. Again, you don't need to know why that is there. 
This technique will help you adjust the feeling that it gives you because after all, it's that feeling that is really holding you back. So that's the fourth step, remove your blocks. And once you've removed your blocks, you can move straight on to setting up your environment. The environment that we set around ourselves is a key element in motivation. And that's why it's the fifth step, set up your environment. Have a look, is your environment conducive to feeling motivational? For example, if you go into your lounge, what is the setup in your lounge, in your living room? Have you got chairs? Are all the chairs focused at a TV screen of sorts? When you sit down is the first thing you see a screen. What's that saying to you motivation wise? Now I've lived for many years, many, many years without a TV. And so in my lounge, the chairs are facing each other. There's a table, on the table are some books. So what our lounge is saying is come, sit down, have conversations or maybe read. And sure, if you want to, go grab an iPad and watch a movie. Great! But the thing is, it's not the first thing you think about when you enter the lounge or when you sit down, which means it's more conducive to motivation because it opens up the avenues. But when you sit down and all you see is a huge screen in front of you, what are you gonna do? You're gonna put it on. And then you're gonna avoid doing some of those other things that perhaps would make you feel more alive, things that would help you honor your values. So have a look around and ask yourself, is the environment that I've created myself conducive to my motivation? If you're looking at motivation around being healthy, have you got unhealthy things in your house? What's on your kitchen bench? Is there a bowl of fruit? Is it easier to get the fruit and the biscuits? Have you made it really difficult to get the biscuits by putting them in the garage at the back of a cupboard? Great, that's far more conducive to creating a motivating environment. So take some time today and have a look at the environment that you've set for yourself and ask yourself, is this environment conducive to my motivation? And if it isn't, find ways to change it. If you really want to make movement in this area and you're the sort of person who really prefers a clear challenge, then I do have one for you. Pick an environment. It could be at home, it could be at work and identify three things in that environment that are likely to reduce your motivation. And then identify and celebrate three things that are conducive to being motivated. You know, so often we just look for the negatives and we forget about the positives and there will be positive things in your environment. So see if you can maximize those. So let's summarize your five steps to creating long-term motivation. Start by stretching your vision with dumb goals. Then identify your head, heart, and hand values and learn how to align everything you do to those. Next, identify the habits you want to create and the habits that you want to change. And remember, excuses can be habits too. And then remove your blocks, including those excuses, and finally, make sure that you have set yourself up with an environment for success. And I promise you, if you follow those five steps to motivation, you really will feel more motivated. 
And if you're already incredibly self-enlightened, I guarantee that following those steps will maximize your motivation and help you to achieve your goals so that you can lead an incredibly fulfilled life. On the other hand, if you are confident with some of the steps, but you'd like help with others to make sure that you achieve rapid and lasting change in your motivation and in your life, or if you simply want someone to help you follow the steps and keep you accountable, then listen out for a simple way that you can get started at the end of this recording. About three years ago, I found myself staring at my lounge room wall looking at a hurriedly drawn picture of a, a couple of things which I hoped were going to be two life-changing objects. Now beside me is uh, my preteen Robin. So you can imagine normally his head is up to my shoulder, but today he is heading down towards my elbow as he stands there slumped and deflated next to me. And I'm standing there trying to feel all upbeat and motivated, but actually feeling somewhat apprehensive because maybe what I'm about to show him isn't going to have the impact that I hope it will. It works brilliantly for adults, but is it going to work on the complicated mind of a preteen? Well, Robin was what I might call a reluctant musical instrument player. I don't know if you've ever been that person or if you've witnessed one, but with every single practice session, well, it was turning into a torture, not just for him, but for me and for anyone unlucky enough to be within earshot. Robin has progressed well in his clarinet and for some reason his motivation has suddenly started to fall through the floor. And a day before things had got really bad. Robin had grumbled, moaned, procrastinated, delayed and used every excuse under the book. He'd huffed and puffed his way through a painful practice session, which should have taken about 15 minutes and ended up taking closer to an hour. By the end, Robin was threatening to throw the clarinet through the window, and I was tempted to give him his first flying lesson and throw him straight after it. I was absolutely desperate. I knew we couldn't go on like this. Music should be fun, and so should parenting. Look, I'd been working with a lot of adults, changing their mindset, and I wondered if it was time, time to start using a particular technique I developed with my, on my child. And so out of desperation, I sat at the dining table after he went to bed and I created my masterpiece picture. And we're now standing both looking at it on the wall. And my simple diagram has just two things on it. There's a thermometer and there's a barometer. And Robin tells me he only knows that there are some modern barometer because I've written the name beside him, which is charming, but he is a teen after all. And let's face it, they didn't look like normal thermometer and barometers. You see, the thermometer measures energy. And the thermometer was inspired by our first principle. You don't have energy, you generate energy. And the barometer measures attitude. So first I asked Robin, Robin, how do you rate your energy for today's clarinet practice? You know, the one we just done. And he had a little thought and he said, oh, about three. I said, out of 10. <laughs> He's like, yeah, duh, yeah, out of 10. I'm like, okay, just, just checking. And how do you rate your attitude? And he thought about it a bit longer and, you know, he stared at the floor all the while. And he said, oh, about three as well. I said, pardon, it's three, all right. Fine. I said, thanks, great. And I left it. 
And I repeated that process the next day. Actually, the next day we had a particularly traumatic, you know, you thought the first day was traumatic. This was really, really bad clarinet practice. Turns out you can pout and play the clarinet at the same time, just not very well. So we're standing for the picture again, and I'm surprised to find out that while he's rated his energy three again, he actually put his attitude down to a two. I was like, okay, thank you. I left it there. Well, we went on practicing this way day after day. We'd do the practice, we'd stand in front of the poster, he'd rate his energy and attitude, and I would just say thank you. And what happened is after a few days, something fascinating started to change. I noticed that he started to put more effort into the practice and more energy, and his scores, he started putting his scores up. Now, this was all scored by him. I would just ask him his score and say thank you. Now, the scores increased slowly. He's a teenager, and it's very uncool for teenagers to make any drastic change for the positive. However, they did slowly go up. And what I really think this confirms is that we don't need extrinsic rewards, and we don't need to give them to our teens either. When we pay attention to our energy, or effort if you want to call it that, and we pay attention to our attitude, we finally become more present in the moment. We feel more satisfied with the way that we're showing up, and we feel more motivated as well. So my challenge to you is to create your own energy thermometer and attitude barometer, if you prefer to use the word effort for energy then please feel free to swap them in because as far as I'm concerned they're interchangeable you will get the same result so have a go create one and after you do an activity rate yourself now if you like a copy please do email me and I will send you a photograph of my very inex inexpertly drawn picture email me fiona at the smartestpath.com.au there are times during your everyday life that you need a quick motivation boost. Perhaps you woke up feeling low or you had a sudden dip in motivation during the day. Whatever the reason and whatever the time, these strategies that I'm going to share with you now will help pick you up fast and give you a quick motivation boost. To understand why these strategies are so effective, let's take a quick look at your brain and very specifically at four key chemicals within it. These chemicals play a key role in keeping your body functioning, and they give you a wide range of feelings, including anticipation, reward, joy, happiness, pleasure, belonging, and your all-important feeling of motivation. And they're called oxytocin, dopamine, endorphins, and serotonin. There are two situations where these chemicals can cause problems for you. The first is when they're too low, which leads to unwelcome feelings and low motivation. And the second problem is when you produce them to excess through unhelpful activities, or in the case of oxytocin, which is produced in social situations, when you don't let go of a past relationship trauma. So that's why step four of the motivational process I shared with you earlier is so important. Eliminate your excuses, eliminate your blocks, they might, for example, include limiting self-beliefs or trapped emotions. And when you do that, you can eliminate the excess oxytocin that is working against you rather than for you. Now, when you experience procrastination or self-doubt or just a lack of enthusiasm, those experiences are linked with low levels of dopamine and a general feeling of low motivation. 
So when your dopamine levels are low, you're less likely to work for things, to put in energy, effort, or attitude. In other words, you are not scoring very highly on your energy effort thermometer. Well, all the steps and activities that I am sharing with you here are designed to boost these chemicals when they're low. So take serotonin, for example. Serotonin flows when you feel significant or important. Fortunately, your brain has trouble telling the difference between what is real and what is imagined. So it'll produce serotonin when you visualize your successes. Hence, the first three steps of dumb goal setting. Dream big, make it uplifting, and make a mind movie of it. So if you haven't already gone through that, please pause and do so now. Now there's some areas of your life that you are very likely to be triggering an excess of these chemicals in, in an unhelpful, unproductive or unhealthy way. And some of these come up as those unhelpful habits that we spoke about before in step three. So take dopamine for example. Dopamine gets you to take action by anticipating how you will feel after your need is met. Technology and TV companies are well aware of this and highly skilled at creating ways to give you surges of dopamine. These hijacking techniques are called compulsion loops. They set you up to anticipate regular rewards and before you know it, you've spent half an hour on social media or a mobile gaming app or an hour clicking through YouTube videos or binge watched several hours of a TV series and it's all driven by dopamine. The problem is, when you have things you actually want to achieve in life, all those dopamine hits from the wrong activity will hold you back and distract you. That is why it is so important to go through the step three of the motivation process to identify and really address those mental and physical habits that are holding you back. So now let's take a look at four quick ways that you can increase those wonderful brain chemicals in a healthy way and give yourself a motivation boost. I'd like you to imagine that you have a bank account of happiness and your bank account only takes coins. So you're going to need to add to it very frequently to fill it up and keep it topped up. Now, there are four simple ways that I'm gonna share with you that you can use to top up your happiness account and give yourself small boosts of motivation. And they are connecting, anticipating, stretching, and laughing. And I've chosen these boosts because they release those four key chemicals, oxytocin, dopamine, endorphins, and serotonins that I spoke about earlier. And when you release serotonin, not only do you feel happier, but you also decrease cortisol, which is known as a stress hormone. So let's take connecting first. And there are three points of connection that I would like you to consider. Connection with yourself, connection with your surroundings, and connection with others. And behind all three connections is an ability to connect to the moment and to become fully present in it. So let's take them one by one. The first boost comes from being fully present and connecting to your body. And when you lack motivation, all you need to do is take a look at your body and in particular your posture. How are you holding your head? Your shoulders? What shape is your back? What are your feet doing? Take a look now at yourself and ask yourself, what is my posture saying about my mood right now? 
And I'd like you to imagine that you're walking down the street. You're walking down the street and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, appears a photographer. And for some reason, you know this photographer is really famous. And they walk straight up to you with a smile on their face. And they tell you they are about to take your photograph and write an article about you for a well-regarded publication. And in that moment, you realize that he's about to take your photograph. What happens to your posture? Most people will quickly change their posture to betray the sort of person they want to be seen as. And the quickest way to show that you're confident, that you're knowledgeable, that you really know your stuff, that you're a great dude, is by changing your posture. So the first rule of connection is posture is power. If you want a quick motivational boost, just change your posture to one that says, I feel motivated. If you've seen me speaking live already, you might have learned the professional power posture from me. So if you already have that valuable tool, then you already know how to very quickly change your emotions and increase your motivation in an instant. And the second rule of connection is move it. After all, you can't gain momentum without movement. And move it applies to your body and to your mind. So as you practice becoming present and building your self-awareness, you'll realize that you only ever need to take one very small action to get started and to kickstart your motivation. So when you need a motivational boost, ask yourself, what is the smallest, the simplest thing that I could do right now that would give me movement? For example, if you lack motivation to exercise and you ask yourself, okay, what's the smallest thing I can do right now? You might choose to fill up your water bottle. It's quick, it's easy, and it doesn't take much effort. And you may then find yourself thinking, well, you know what? If I fill the water bottle up, if I do some exercise, well, at least at some point, you know, like I'll have my water bottle ready. And if you repeat the question and you ask yourself again, okay, you know, what's the smallest thing I can do right now? Maybe you'll think, oh, look, I might as well just find my sneakers, my trainers, and on it goes. And before you know it, you'll realize with some surprise that you've got all your gear together and you're walking out the door, all because you made one very small movement. So if you're feeling low on motivation and you can't think of anything at all in the whole wide world that you would like to do, then try my do something different challenge. I think it would be great for you. You see, at a simple level, all you'd have to do is say to yourself, do something different. And then very quickly, without thinking about it, do anything at all that is different. So maybe do something a bit left of field or a bit wacky if you want. You could scratch the end of your nose with your pencil, uh, stand up, spit around and sit back down again. If you're like my children, maybe you'll stick your tongue out and waggle it and make silly noises. So do something different is a great thing to say to yourself to get yourself moving both physically and mentally. And what it does is because you make the decision super fast, you bypass all those emotions that hold you back when you take a long time making your decisions. So we've looked at connection with yourself. Let's take a look at connection with your surroundings. And the one thing that I've noticed about successful people that applies to us all is that if they're not happy, they are usually not feeling each moment. And what they don't realize is that each sense of the moment 
gives them a cent in the happiness bank account. So if you increase your moments of being present and mindful, those cents will soon add up. I recommend that you regularly take time out to spend a moment connecting with your surroundings. And a very simple way to do this is to look for and appreciate the beauty in them. So there is your rule number three of connection. Appreciate the beauty. And you know what? No matter how bad things get, no matter how unmotivated or low you feel, there is always beauty around you. There's a play called Lady Windermere's Fan. And in it, this man called Lord Darlington has been rejected by Lady Windermere and he is feeling heartbroken. He's despairing. He's even feeling a little bit of anger, which can happen when we're rejecting. And he's having a card game later in the evening. And during the card game, over lots of glasses of uh, wine, he declares, we are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. So you may know this quote, it's a well-known Oscar Wilde quote. We are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. And in the context of the play, what he's really saying is that while Darlington wallows in the metaphorical mud, Lady Windermere lights up the heavens and lies far out of his reach. But I like to take that quote out of its original context and interpret it on its own merit. You see, it reminds us that even when our life seems to be at a low point, we are still surrounded by beauty. And all you have to do is open your eyes for it. Just look for the beauty. So to boost your motivation, connect to your surroundings and take a moment to appreciate the beauty around you. Now, from a simple scientific point of view, feelings of gratitude and appreciation directly activate brain regions associated with that neurotransmitter dopamine. And dopamine feels good to get, which is why it's generally considered the reward neurotransmitter. So dopamine is also important in initiating action. And that means increases in dopamine make you more likely to do the things you just did. It's the brain saying, oh, do that again. So when you appreciate the beauty, you engage your brain in a virtuous cycle, or what I like to call a love cycle, as opposed to a suffer cycle. And thanks to confirmation bias, the more you look for beauty, the more beauty you will see, and you will experience an increase in positive feelings, which in turn will allow you to feel more motivated. The third connection after connecting with yourself and connecting with your surroundings is to connect to others. Do this by giving them the greatest gift of all, and that is your presence. Did you know that when you give people a physical gift, you do actually boost your oxytocin levels and theirs as well? You see, giving a gift of being fully present and connecting with those around you works exactly the same way. So as a result, you're all being rewarded with a sense of belonging, with feelings of love and of well-being, all because you give the gift of presence. So there you go. Those are your three points of connection in boost number one. Connecting with yourself, connecting with your surroundings and 
connecting with others and they are all based on being present. The second boost that we're going to go through now is creating. And creating is about creating something to look forward to. Uh, not long ago, I had the flu. I came back from traveling abroad and I decided I'd better put myself into isolation because I didn't know what I'd picked up. So I was sitting at home and after quite a few days, I actually found myself feeling somewhat low and unmotivated. And you'll probably find yourself in this situation sometimes. It's a bit hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And at that point, I realized, well, if I'm not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, I need to look for it. And the reason I wasn't, because I wasn't actually thinking of things I could look forward to. So I did something really simple. I got myself a piece of paper and I sat down and I started to create a list. And I just wrote down all the things that I was looking forward to. Some of them were really simple. Like, gosh, when you've been sitting at home for days, you put down things like, going to the shops, going to the supermarket. And then I started to think about, well, I'd like to go to see a movie as well. So I put that down and then getting back into training with my martial arts and jumping back on my mountain bike and going walking in the woods as well. And before I knew it, I had this wonderful array of events that would happen, not just through the week, but then I started thinking about the next months and in fact, throughout the whole year. And what happened was I started to feel better immediately. I'm really, that's not surprising because creating things to look forward to builds anticipation of reward. And that is what releases dopamine. So if you feel low on motivation, start to create a list of things to look forward to. So in fact, maybe both boost two shouldn't just be called creating. It should be called creating and anticipating. And the next boost after creating and anticipating is stretching. Now, we've all seen that when we feel stuck or unmotivated, just the smallest mental or physical movement can start a shift within us. And I love the word stretch because it really implies movement, doesn't it? If you physically stretch yourself, you can do it right now, if you stretch yourself, you release endorphins and they're responsible for what's called a runner's high. So if you've ever experienced a situation where you're out, you're pushing yourself physically more and more and more and you start feeling these feelings of elation, you know, maybe just before you finish a big run or a big walk, that is known as runner's high. But what I'd like to focus on now is a mental stretch. Sometimes when you're feeling low, you're lacking in your motivation, it's because you're either failing to stretch yourself enough or you're actually stretching yourself too much. So there's a challenge for you and the challenge is to stretch yourself just enough. So maybe you're familiar with the story Goldilocks and the Three Bears. I remember back in England when I was a kid living in Richmond, my mother used to read me Goldilocks and the Three Bears and later on, Coming to Brisbane, I find myself reading the same story to my children. In fact, you know, these days I don't actually have to read it. I know it so well. And do you remember how everything of daddy's was too big for Goldilocks and everything of the babies was too small? But the chair, the porridge pot, the bed that belonged to the mother bear felt just right. And from this comes the Goldilocks rule. 
And the Goldilocks rule states that you maximize your motivation and bring it to a peak state when you are just on the edge of your abilities. Not too hard and not too easy, just right. And I have personally experienced this time and time again in martial arts where I find myself fully focused. I'm involved in the moment, moment. I'm performing at my best when I'm pushing myself just slightly. Perhaps I'm learning something new or I'm just pushing myself to do something better. So that is your third boost, stretching. And the fourth and final boost is laughing. Laughter releases a cocktail of hormones in our brains, which create a range of positive feelings and emotions, including euphoria and belonging and well-being and motivation. And for some reason, as we get older, it seems like we laugh, le we laugh less often. <laughs> I have to laugh just sometimes because I say the words wrong, you know? But we do, we laugh less, laugh. <laughs> we laugh less often. We laugh, we laugh less freely. And so my challenge to you is make laughter a choice. And when you get something wrong, like I did just then, don't stress over it. Choose to laugh over it. And um, I have a, a little confession for you now. You know, um, one day I, I did realize the negative impact that my, should we call it less than enthusiastic response to red traffic lights was having when I was driving. Look, it wasn't just affecting me. Anyone in the car with me would know if we hit a red light, particularly if I was in a hurry. Well, about the time I realized this, I, I, I sought out a laughter club. And at the club, I picked up a really simple technique that allowed me to laugh at any challenging or awkward situation, including red lights. So now, when I'm driving and I come to a red light, I actually see it as an opportunity, an opportunity to choose laughter. And I will keep laughing until the lights turn green. And you know what? If I absolutely forget, if I'm in a bit of a rush and I forget, I'm lucky because I've got two very helpful young passengers who sit in the back seat and are all too keen to remind me. So we've made it a family activity now. Uh, there's a red light. What do we do? <laughs> it always happens when you're in a hurry. We laugh. So as a result of choosing my, of laughter, choosing laughter, your brain will be flooded with a host of positive chemicals that leave you feeling more motivated for the rest of your journey. And I've ended up benefiting and enjoying laughter club and the laughter method so much that actually I ended up becoming a laughter trainer or what we call a laughter yoga trainer. So if you'd like to know more about using laughter to boost workplace morale and creativity and to overcome fears and excuses, please do contact me or check out my Laughter Yoga Challenge in December 2020, which should still be sitting on LinkedIn. I'm aware that I've crammed a lot of information into this audio, so let's recap what you've learned. You picked up three principles. The first, you don't have energy, you generate energy. The second, you don't have motivation, you generate motivation. And of course, the third, your motivation depends on the energy and the attitude that you put in to an activity. 
And you also learned how to create and use an energy thermometer and an attitude barometer to rate yourself after each activity. And of course, that you can substitute effort for energy if that feels more natural to you. You've also picked up five key steps to building long-term motivation. Set dumb goals, identify your values, identify your habits, address your blocks, and set up your environment for success. You've gained an insight into your brain that helped you understand why these steps are so effective, and you've gleaned valuable techniques that you can use during your everyday life when you need a quick motivation boost. Connecting, anticipating, stretching, and laughing, all of which you can use to top up your happiness account and kickstart your motivation. My motto is to inspire, elevate and motivate with fun, love and laughter. If you'd like more tips to help you develop a healthy and powerful mindset, please check out my YouTube channel where you can find me under Fiona J. Spence. And if you'd like some help and support on your journey or just want to know what the J stands for, why not email me at fiona at thesmartestpath.com.au for a free one-hour telephone-based press pause and clarify session. As a rapid results coach, I would love to help you gain clarity, move past blocks, and create healthy mental and physical habits. Life need not be stressful, and you don't have to be held back by self-doubt, procrastination, overwhelm, or any unhelpful thoughts or feelings. Together, we can set you on the right path so that ultimately, one day, you will look back on your life and know you lived it with purpose. You showed up as your best self each step of the way and created many joyful experiences and wonderful memories, all of which left you with the knowledge that you had truly lived. Thank you for listening, and I hope our paths cross again soon. 